from Revelation chapter 17, starting at verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. I pick that passage because the martyr before us today was made a martyr by one of the daughter churches of this mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Our martyr today is a woman named Joan Boucher. She lived in England during the reigns of both Henry VIII and his son, Edward VI. She is different from some of the martyrs we have considered in that she was persecuted and martyred by a Protestant church, the Church of England. She was a contemporary and friend of Anne Askew, who Adam Green presented to us about three weeks ago. Along with Anne, she secretly distributed copies of Tyndall's New Testament among her acquaintances in the court of Henry VIII, where she was employed. She was a member of a Baptist church which met both in Canterbury and Eythorne in southeast England. When Henry VIII formalized his break with the Catholic Church, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, assisted him with his divorce from Catherine of Aragon and validated his new marriage to Anne of Boleyn, showing his break from Rome as well. Kind of a timeline of some of these events surrounding this, Henry VIII broke from Rome in about, over a period of time, but officially in, in 1534. Anne Askew was martyred in 1546 for denying the Mass. Edward VI became king in 1547, the same year John Boucher was tried, before some of the men we'll read about in a minute. After Henry's death in 1547, his son Edward VI became king at the age of nine years old. At this time, there was a desire in England to move further in a Protestant direction. Thomas Cranmer, Archbishop of Canterbury, and Hugh Latimer, Bishop of Worcester, and Edward VI's personal chaplain were leaders in this movement. It is important to note that neither the Catholic Church nor Protestants believed in personal religious liberty. So, John Boucher was brought before these men, the intellectual and religious leaders of the English Church, and was charged with heresy. There was one supposed error which was sufficient to expose her to the poisonous breath of calumny and to the burning flame. For this, she had to appear before the inquisitors in the chapel of the Blessed Mary in St. Paul's. The examinations were long, the judges learned, and apparently desirous to save her from the stake, but she could not, nor she would not be convinced that she held any heresy or anything in opposition to the truth. Neither threatenings nor entreaties moved her, but a good conscience made her bold. At length, she uttered language which it grieved her judges to hear, but which smote their consciences with its telling truth. 
It is, she said, she said, a goodly matter to consider your ignorance. It is not long ago since you burned and asked you about a year for a piece of bread, and yet you came yourselves soon after to believe and profess the same doctrine for which you burned her. And now, forsooth, you will burn me for a piece of flesh, and in the end you will come to believe this also when you have read the scriptures and understood them. Amen. With professedly the fear of God before his eyes, and with invocation of the name of Christ, the Reverend Father in Christ, in quotations for sure, Thomas, Archbishop of Canterbury, with the full approbation of his colleagues, proceeded to pronounce her doom. The sentence contained her crime and its punishment. You believe that the word was made flesh in the virgin, but that Christ took flesh of the virgin, you believe not, because the flesh of the virgin, being the outward man sinfully gotten and born in sin, but the word by the consent of the inward man of the virgin was made flesh. This, this dogma, which we'll come back to in a second, this dogma with obstinate, obdurate, and pertinacious mind you affirm, and not without much haughtiness of mien, with wonderful blindness of heart to this you hold, Therefore, for your demerits, obstinacy, and contumacy, aggravated by a wicked and damnable pertinacity, being also unwilling to return to the faith of the church, you are adjudged a heretic to be handed to the secular power to suffer in due course of law, and finally the ban of the great excommunication is upon you. The crime she was charged with is a little bit obscure. The commentator's of the uh, collection of Baptist martyrs that put this uh, book together explain this crime as she simply believed that Mary was a sinner. That's, that's what she was charged with. She was held in prison for some time, uh, at least around a year. On the 27th of April, the council issued their warrant to the Lord Chancellor to make out a writ for her execution, and Cranmer is said by Fox to have been m most urgent with the, cruel, with, the young, with the young king to affix the signed manual to the cruel document. The youthful king, who would have been about 12 years old at this time, hesitated. Cranmer argued from the law of Moses, by which blasphemers were to be stoned to death, this woman, he said, was guilty of impiety in the sight of God, which a prince, as God's deputy, ought to punish. The youthful king said to Cranmer, My lord, will you send her soul to hell? But his majesty was compelled to yield, and saying, If it be an error, you, my lord, shall answer it to God. With tears, the royal signature was appended. The bishops had resolved that John Boucher should die, and on the 2nd of May, 1550, she appeared at the stake in Smithfield. Here, further efforts were made to shake her confidence. To Bishop Scorey was allotted the duty of preaching to the sufferer and to the people on the occasion. He tried, says Stripe, to convert her. She scoffed and said he lied like a rogue and bade him go read the scriptures. By this language, we understand an indignant rejection of the shameful misrepresentations which in that hour of trial were made of her faith. In other words, he lied about what she believed. 
She closely adhered to those words of truth, which were her joy and strength. And in the moments of her dying agony, she loved and adored the holy and immaculate Lamb of God. Amen. And I close with another verse out of Revelation 17. These, the ten kings of Europe, shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. And they that are with him, they that are with him, are called and chosen and faithful. Amen.